Well, I have three exciting things to say that have nothing to do with my message. Are you excited? So uh, number, number one is I've been told that there is a red Chevy Impala with the, uh, it's a new car. It's uh, a, a license plate SDWD. It is running in the parking lot and the doors are locked. So if that is your uh, car, you have a red Chevy Impala, license plate SDWD, uh, uh, wait like five minutes so nobody knows it's you and then uh, get up <laughs> and uh, you can uh, go get your car. That'd be great. Uh, also, I saw uh, Jim just get so blessed uh, during the beginning time, he started throwing checks to the front. And uh, so uh, Jim uh, sent us a celebration offering uh, for Rhoda's birthday. Uh, am I allowed to say how much it is, Jim? $55 for Rhoda Hare's birthday. Now, Rhoda, happy birthday to you. Thanks be to God. Praise Jesus. The last thing is, Pastor Leon uh, asked me to announce uh, if there are any kids in here. I know you guys love me, but if you prefer not to hear me, there's actually a special missionary speaker. Normally our first Sundays, our kids are here with us, but there's actually a special missionary speaker speaking to the kids uh, this morning. And so if you want to get up and go and be with the kids back in the uh, children's worship, uh, we are more than welcome. I won't be offended. Uh, adults, if you leave, I'll be offended. But if the kids, the kids leave, I won't be offended and uh, would love to, to have you do that if, you are, uh, if you're interested. Praise Jesus. All right, let's get started. We want to welcome you to the first week of a brand new sermon series called Strongholds. If you would, everyone say it with me. Strongholds. We thank you for being here with us today. If you're new with us this morning, my name is Andrew. I am the lead pastor uh, here at First Church. We really do believe that life is better when it's done together uh, at First Church. And so thank you for sharing in life together with us and being a part of what God is speaking to us uh, today. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. Uh, as we uh, get there, I want to uh, give you just a fair warning in advance of what Jesus is getting ready to do in this place over the course of the next five weeks. Uh, we're going to look at some pretty significant issues, strongholds, sins that our spiritual enemy uses to wreck and ruin our lives. So if there are some of you here this morning and some of these topics hit a little too close to home, I want to give you warning in advance which ones we're going to address. So if you don't want to feel convicted or you really like to stay in that sin or you're not quite ready to make that change, I'm going to give you warning in advance so you can uh, get sick or visit family uh, that weekend. All right? So here's where we are going. Next week, week two, we're going to address the stronghold of anger. The stronghold of anger. How do I break free? How do I give up? How do I forgive when I am angry? Uh, the third week, the second stronghold, we're going to look at my favorite message, which is the stronghold of pride. Stronghold of pride. The following week, we're going to get up in everyone's business, and we're going to talk about the stronghold of greed. You excited? Stronghold of greed. I expect our best attendance on that Sunday. Stronghold of greed. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. Either going to hate the one and love the other, be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and Money, right? So the stronghold of greed. And then the last week, probably the most important message in the entire series, we're going to look at the stronghold of lust. The stronghold of lust. I believe more than any other sin or stronghold in our lives today, our spiritual enemy uses the stronghold of lust to captivate us and enslave us. And I believe Jesus is going to break some people free on that Sunday. Praise God. 
So if you are here, we really do believe that Jesus is going to work. And I think that some people are going to get set free over the course of these next five weeks, and it's all going to be to the glory of our God and Father, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Thanks be to God. So uh, today, uh, we're going to look at these strongholds. Now, what I, what's interesting is that if I asked you to define maybe the worst sins that you could think of, these four probably wouldn't be at the top of your list. They're not great ones, of course, but if I said, think of the worst possible sins, you would probably say things like uh, murder, uh, rape, uh, adultery, child abuse, and rightfully so. Those are all really horrible things, right? But the reason I would submit to you that these four, anger, pride, greed, and lust, are actually the most dangerous is because they're the most common. They're the most common. They're the most acceptable. They're the most tolerable. In fact, in some segments of our society today, we might even call those things normal. And they're dangerous because they're so normal. Uh, this might not surprise many of you, but as a uh, child, I was uh, not normal. <laughs> Say it like that. A little odd child. Uh, I always blame it on the fact that when I was born, the umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck a couple times. And so I had some severe brain damage really at an early age. Brain damage is a great excuse when things go bad, right? Uh, no oxygen to the brain, serious brain damage, right? But as a child, I uh, did some really odd things. So I remember as a boy, four, five years of age, whenever I would go outside, par particularly in the summer months, I, I would move about really cautiously, really carefully, really nervously. You say, Andrew, what were you so scared about? Well, in Indiana, in the summers, we had lots of these little white things floating through the air. Uh, you might know them as dandelion seeds. Um, I knew them as deadly fuzz. <laughs> deadly fuzz. That's what my brothers told me, youngest of four, right? So they told me that those were deadly fuzz and that if deadly fuzz touched the skin of a little boy five years and under, then he would be dead in a matter of minutes. And I'm fairly confident that my mom has home video footage of me running terrified away as my brothers hold this deadly fuzz and try to track me down and eliminate me from the earth. Their uh, dream come true, right? The deadly fuzz, just an odd little child. I also remember as a child, I would go with my mom to the mall uh, there in Muncie, and I loved to go to the mall, which is odd enough for a little boy to like to go to the mall. But it wasn't the mall even that I liked so much. It was J.C. Penney. Any J.C. Penney fans out there? One, very yeah, that's about right these days. Very good. So, and it wasn't even J.C. Penney that I liked so much at the mall, but it was the carpet at J.C. Penney. I don't know if anyone's experienced this, but the carpet at J.C. Penney and the Muncie Mall was like this perfect blend of like a, a, a brand new car and a fresh can of tennis balls. You know what I'm saying? It's just this wonderful smell in the carpet. And this is God's truth. I would literally get down, my mom would be shopping, I would get down on my hands and knees and I would sniff the carpet all the way through JCPenney while my mom is shopping, just sniff the carpet, just inhaling these fumes. A little more brain damage for you, perhaps, right? Just, just really odd little child. What I learned, though, is that as I got older people weren't quite as accepting of some of those odd things. It wasn't normal, I found, for a 14-year-old boy to run screaming from deadly fuzz. Not societally acceptable. 
It, it certainly wasn't normal. It was really cute for a four-year-old boy to sniff the carpet in the women's clothing section at JCPenney. But at the age of 14, that'll get the mall cops called on you. Every, every single time, all right? Uh, witness right here. It's simply not normal. And so what I learned to do is that as I got older, I had to learn how to fit in. I had to learn to act like everyone around me. I had to learn to, to, to look like, act like, be like, smell like everyone else around me. Because in the world today, the things that don't fit in tend to get singled out. And what I've realized is that sometimes even in the church, we have this temptation, don't we? Sometimes in the church, we have this temptation to want to fit in, to look like the world around us, to be like, act like. And one of the ways that sometimes we do this is by overlooking some of those more common sins that all of us in the world around us struggle with. Some of those things that we might think are a little more normal in some cases, we've actually got rid of the word sin altogether because it terrifies people. Uh, Dr. Dan Boone wrote a book called The Seven Deadly Sins, and he says this. He says, saying sin in public is like saying bomb on an airplane. People get uncomfortable, and intense scrutiny is likely to follow. Saying sin in public is like saying bomb on an airplane. And so what we do is we come up with other words instead of sin mistake, wrong, flaw of character, shortcoming, weakness, anything other than sin. What's interesting, though, is that Scripture apparently didn't get the memo. In fact, if you're in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, look what the Apostle Paul says about sin and strongholds in our lives. He, he says this. He says, for though we live in the world we do not, say it out loud with me, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, he says. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. What's Paul say? He says when it comes to sin, when it comes to strongholds, we wage war. We demolish strongholds. Somebody didn't give Apostle Paul the memo that some sins are more acceptable than others. But what Paul says is any sin, any bondage in any, every, any, in any area is not acceptable. We demolish strongholds in our life. He said, well, why was Paul so adamant about that? I think it's because he understood what the entire story of the Bible tries to tell us. In fact, our key thought for the series, if you're taking notes, uh, write this down. Share it, share it on social media. Uh, share it with a friend. This is what Scripture teaches us, is that as God's people, fulfillment in every area of our life depends on freedom in every area of our life. Fulfillment in every area, success in every area of my life requires that I be free in every area of my life. Uh, relationally, uh, socially, academically, financially, spiritually, in order to experience the fulfillment that God has for us, then we have to be free in every area. Because when we are in bondage to one stronghold, we are still not experiencing the freedom that God has promised us in Christ Jesus. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do over the course of these next few weeks. I'm going to ask you to take the challenge and get serious about strongholds that exist in your life. Things that you've rationalized away as normal, 
things that compared to some of those really other bad sins are not so bad. Uh, Things that you look around at people around you and say, at least I'm doing better than them. I'm going to ask you to get serious and allow the Holy Spirit to shine the spotlight upon our heart into the deepest, darkest corners of our being. Because fulfillment in every area requires freedom in every single area. What we're going to do today, before we dig too deeply into the strongholds in the coming weeks, is we're going to look briefly at what Scripture tells us about sin. Uh, like most things, uh, there's good news and there's not so good news. Uh, we'll start with the not so good news and we'll end with the good news because you'll feel great when you leave and that's how my notes are laid out. So uh, this is what we're going to do. The not so good news, if you're taking notes, is this. What Scripture tells us is that first and foremost, we are all guilty. We are all guilty. Scripture says when it comes to sin, you're guilty. Now, maybe you're sitting there saying, you know, Andrew, that might be true for the rest of these people here, but me? I'm a pretty good guy. I take care of my family. I don't cheat on my wife. Don't cheat on my taxes. I give a little bit to the church when I can. I do pretty well. How can you say that I am guilty? The truth is that it's not me that's saying it. It's actually God. And unfortunately for us, he's pretty clear. He tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, he says, there is no one righteous, not even one. He says later in the, in the chapter, in verse 23, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I love the way 1 John 1, 8 tells it. He, he says it really clearly. He says, if we claim to be without sin, then we deceive ourselves, and the truth is what? The truth is not in us. In other words, if you're sitting here today and saying, that might be for everybody else, but not for me, John says, you're lying to yourself. You're deceiving yourself because we all have sinned. We are all guilty. We are all stuck in that bondage. Now, that's not very good news, is it? But I'd submit to you that there's actually a little bit of a silver lining. In fact, it goes a lot like this. A couple years ago, I was, uh, I was uh, driving over to a conference out west and it was about midnight. I had about four more hours to drive in front of me. And so I was pushing it a little bit. And so I crossed the border over into Illinois and into Missouri. And I uh, uh, looked up in my mirror and had that gut sinking feeling of red and blue lights, right? Anybody been there? Have I ever experienced that? Praise be to God. Uh, the rest of you guys need to speed a little bit. So I uh, got me going uh, 90 and a 65. Uh, before my sanctification, okay? So uh, 90 to 65, going pretty good. And so uh, if you are married and you've ever had a speeding ticket, what you know is that getting the ticket is not the worst thing. (laughs) It's going home and telling your wife that you got a speeding ticket. And so most people would go home, heads down, tail between their legs, kind of hide it from their spouse, but not me. Not just because I'm a pastor. I went back and I, I came in, my head held high and full of confidence, and I slapped that ticket right down on the table, and I told my wife exactly what it is that I had done. And you said, Andrew, how can you be so calm? Your wife must be so loving. She must be so understanding, so gracious, and of course she is all those things, as you guys know. But it wasn't for that reason that I was so calm. It was because I think my wife had gotten at least two of her own in the previous six months, right? So, so what are you going to do? We are all guilty. What's she going to say to me? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
We're all guilty. We all have sinned. Second, if you're taking notes, Scripture also tells us even worse news is not only are we all guilty, but we're all powerless. We're all powerless. Not only are you guilty in your sin, but you are powerless to do anything about it. You're saying, Andrew, I'm so glad I came to First Church this morning to hear this motivational message, right? You're guilty and you're powerless. Praise God. It's our new mission statement, right? So it's good on the letterhead, right? So you're guilty and you're powerless. What, what Scripture tells us is this. Romans chapter 7, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says this. He's taking the voice, not necessarily of himself, but of someone who hasn't been freed from sin. He's giving this example. He says this. He says, I have the desire to do what is good, but say it with me, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, that I keep on doing. Anyone been there? Anyone experienced that? I, I, I want to do good, but I can't seem to get there. And, and the stuff I don't want to be doing, I just keep on doing over and over and over again. Why? And Paul says, what a wretched man I am. Because we're powerless and we're guilty, and we can't do anything about it. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, and you're saying, uh, Andrew, that's me. You hit the nail on the head. I don't want to admit it. don't want you to see it, but that's me. I'm guilty, and I'm powerless. Maybe for you, it, 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 it's, it's a stronghold of anger. Try as you might, you can't control your tongue. You can't control your temper, even though you're trying so, so very hard. And maybe for you, it's, it's the stronghold of greed, You'd love to spend more time with your family, but you love even more when that paycheck is just a little bit bigger. You'd love to be generous with others, but you haven't quite yet taken that step of faith to trust in God more than your bank account. Maybe for you it's lust. You love your husband. You love your wife. You don't want to hurt them, but you can't control your eyes. You can't control your mind. Or you want to stay pure until marriage, but the temptations and the pressures of culture today are just so difficult that you can't seem to resist. It's the strongholds of anger, greed, pride, and lust. And if that's you this morning, I want you to hear me say this. You are never alone. You are never alone. One of the most devastating lies that our spiritual enemy tells us is that you're the only one, that everybody else has got it figured out, that you can't tell anybody because their life is perfect. They figured it out. They wouldn't understand. And so he further cements this stronghold in your life by isolating you from the very community in which he wants to bring you hope. You're never alone. What scripture tells us is that we're all guilty. We are all powerless. One time or another, we've all been in the same boat together. But guess what? There is really good news this morning. If you're taking notes, write this down. First, it's good news that you can be forgiven. You can be forgiven. Even though you're guilty and even though you're powerless, Scripture says you can be forgiven. I love 1 John 1 verse 9 because he says it so clearly. He says, if we confess our sins, he is what? Say it with me. He is faithful and just and will do what? Will forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. How does it work? He says, all you got to do is confess your sins, and he's faithful and just and will forgive you your sins. And you're saying, Andrew, that sounds really good for the rest of these folks here, 
but you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how bad it's got. And the truth is, I don't. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you've been. I don't know how bad it's got. But I know someone who does. His name is Jesus. And I want you to hear what he thinks about your sin. Psalm 103 verse 9 says this. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities, but as far as the what? Say it with me. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. What Scripture says is that we have a God who loves us. We have a God who forgives us. We have a God who doesn't care where we've been or what we've done or how bad it's got or how far you've run because he gave his life for you. You say, how could, you, how could that be? How is that possible? One answer, the blood of Jesus Christ given for you. What shall wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus What shall make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Friends, it's the blood of Jesus. And hear me this morning. The gift to us is free, but it's not cheap. It's free, but it's not cheap. It cost God the life of his very son, and he gave him freely for you and me. We can be forgiven. But guess what? It gets even better. Write this down. Not only can we be forgiven, but we can be free. (laughs) We can be free. See, the thing that we so often miss is we know that God loves us. And many of us know that God can forgive us, but what we forget is that God doesn't actually want to leave us in our sins, but that he's actually called us to freedom from our sin. So often we find ourselves saying things like this. Well, I'm only human. What do you expect? Of course I'm going to sin every day, every way, in word, thought, and deed, because I'm human. What do you think I'm going to do? And what happens with that is that it's as if our Bibles all begin in Genesis chapter 3. What's Genesis chapter 3 tell us? It's the fall of humanity. The serpent deceives Adam and Eve, and we all have sin in our lives, right? But I don't know about you, but my Bible doesn't begin in Genesis chapter 3. It actually begins in Genesis chapter 1. And what Genesis chapter 1 tells me is that God created us and he said we were very good. He created us in his image. He created us to be perfect in relationship with him. He created us to be holy. That's how God created us. And so what the Bible tells us is that sin is not actually normal. Sin is not actually a part of what God's intention for creation was. Sin is actually a distortion of what we were created to be. Whenever we say, I'm only human, of course I'm going to sin, we're falling short of the power of freedom that you and I can have through the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. What I'm here to tell you this morning is that Genesis chapter 3 did happen. (laughs) We all fell into sin. It's true, we're all born with a sinful nature. But the entire narrative of Scripture is how God desires to redeem that sin, reconcile us back to his heart, and restore the whole of creation to himself. He doesn't want to leave us in our sin. He did not save us to leave us. He saved us to sanctify us and make us holy as he is holy, and he will not stop until his creation is free. Do you believe that this morning? 
You can be free. You don't have to keep sinning all the time. You don't have to keep struggling all the time. You can be free in the name of Jesus. Hey, you say, Andrew, how could that be possible? One thing, the power of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit poured out upon us. That's it. That's the answer. It's true. We're, we're, we're all guilty. It's true. We've all sinned. But we have a God who loves us. We have a God who forgives us. We have a God who is gracious with us. And we have a God who has set us free. We have a God that scripture says we are able to do all things in Christ who strengthens us, right? We have a God who's able to redeem us. We have a God who's able to reconcile us. So the chains that have bound you don't have to bind you anymore. The sin that has held on to you doesn't have to hold on to you anymore. The strongholds that have gripped your life don't have to grip your life anymore. You can be forgiven and you can be free because there is power in the name of Jesus. There is hope in the name of Jesus. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. Jesus Christ, our King. Friends, never, never settle for anything less than complete freedom in Jesus Christ. Because fulfillment in every area of your life depends on freedom in every area of your life. And this month at First Church, we are going to wage war because Scripture says we have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I believe the Spirit might even want to start this very day. Jesus, we ask that you would come. We ask that you'd speak to us. We know, Jesus, that you want to set us free. Do your freeing work in us today. We love you and we ask it in Jesus' name. As we continue in a, a spirit of prayer, I believe there are some here this morning that you're saying, Andrew, this message was exactly for me. You're stuck in your strongholds. You're stuck in your sin. And for a long time, you've rationalized it away. And you said, it's all right. Everyone else is doing it. It's tolerable. It's acceptable. It's even normal in some circles. I'm okay. But you've realized that fulfillment in every area of your life requires freedom in every area of your life. And today, you want to say in the powerful name of Jesus, I want to be free. I want to be set free. I don't want to be stuck in this sin cycle. I don't want to be stuck in this shame cycle. I don't want to be stuck with, with issues of, of, of greed or lust or pride or anger. Or maybe for you it's something else. Maybe for you it's the need to control things or the need to please people or, or it's the shame of your past. And today you want to say, I want freedom in the name of Jesus. I want freedom in the name of Jesus. He wants to give it to you today. And if that's you this morning, would you just lift up your hand right where you are and say, I want freedom in the name of Jesus. Thank you, sister. I want freedom in the name of Jesus. Thank you, brother. Who else? I want freedom in the name of Jesus. Thank you, guys. Who else? I want to be free. Thank you, brother. I want to be free in the name of Jesus. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. I want to be free. I want to be free. I don't have to be stuck anymore. Thank you, brother. I see that. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you for your hope. Thank you for your life. We want to be free. We want to be new. <laughs> we want to be with you, Jesus. We just want more of your presence in this place. As we continue in the spirit of prayer, I believe there are others here this morning. 
from the very minute you walked into the sanctuary, the Holy Spirit's been working on your heart. You came in today looking for hope, looking for life. Uh, You had no problem acknowledging the fact that you're guilty and you're powerless because you walked in here and you didn't know where to turn. You didn't know what else to do. And you thought maybe Jesus might be the answer. And this morning you heard us read together that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive you your sins. You say, I can't believe it. I don't know how that works. It's the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for you. He can reconcile your life. He can restore your life. He can set you back into right relationship with him. And this morning, I believe there are more than a few here today that would say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need a savior. Jesus, I need hope. Jesus, I need forgiveness. I'm tired of striving. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of trying to do this thing on my own. I want your life. I want freedom. I want salvation in the name of Jesus. And everyone around, heads bowed, eyes closed, just between you and God. Would anyone here say, that's me? Just lift up your hand right where you are. That's me. Speak to God. That's me. Praise Jesus. That's me. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Who else? Thank you. Who else? That's me. I want freedom. I want forgiveness. I want a Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, brother. Who else? Today's the day. Today's the day of freedom in my life. I'm never turning back. Thank you, brother. I'm never turning back. I want more of Jesus in my life. I want his forgiveness. I want his freedom. Thank you. Everyone, First Church, would you pray with these that, that maybe for the first time or maybe coming back into the kingdom, these that are receiving the grace of salvation today, would you pray along with your neighbor? Jesus, we love you. Forgive me of my sins. I need your life. I need your hope. I need your forgiveness. You know where I've been. You know what I've done. But as far as the east is from the West. You have cast my sins from me. Never to think of them again. Jesus, as you've forgiven me, help me forgive myself and set me free. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. First Church, can we celebrate new life coming into the kingdom of God this very morning? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jesus. This morning, we're going to celebrate in a time of communion together. I've asked Pastor Simone to come and help me. And if you're serving uh, communion, would you come on forward? Pastor Sharon and Pastor Allie have a special song they're going to sing for us during this communion time.